0: Welcome to HQAF Radio. I'm Alana. And I'm Francis, And this is a show about two best friends.
1: This be our intro talking about this guy that reached out to us saying he'd give us a shout out and then it turns out he wanted money from us.
0: <laughs> Should that be part of the uh, making things great again podcast? Or the... <gasps> making-, oh
1: making... Oh my God. Great. Triggered. <laughs>
0: I was like, where did I get that from? God damn.
1: I know it's been a wonderful, beautiful two months uh, without him so far. Still living that he doesn't have social media. Thank God. Though do wish he would tell us what his skills were because our social media is very much lacking. Although we broke 50 followers this week. We haven't broke 50 followers in our entire podcasting career.
0: Wait, like actual followers?
1: Actual? I didn't pay for followers. Well, I did (laughs) follow a bit more people. It turns out there were a couple people following us that we hadn't followed back, like real-life people that I hadn't followed. And I've considered following a bunch of people from my previous place of work in order to up our followers that way. Would that be weird and unethical?
0: (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I mean, what if you accidentally say something about your previous place of work that you don't want somebody to hear?
1: So my previous place of work I haven't worked at in a year and a half. My hope is that there's enough disconnect there that the degrees of separation, I suppose you could say, would be so um, large. I hope, I don't really know the science. I mean, I still haven't figured out how to do proper marketing on this platform and I'm (laughs) in the occupation of marketing. I'm honestly impressed every day that I have as many followers on my personal account as I do. So, you know, hashtag blessed over here is really the life I'm trying to lead. (laughs) (laughs) You're a social
0: media influencer. You just don't know it yet.
1: (laughs) Exactly, that's what I'm hoping. That's the story I'm writing for myself. That's my (laughs) storyline.
0: I have to tell you, Alana, I am so excited to hear about this journey that you undertook very recently. I've been trying to avoid like looking at the draft in Anchor, even though it's very hard. I have been trying hard not to listen to it. I've been trying hard not to follow you on social media because the other day you posted some pictures on the car. And I was like, no, I can't. No spoilers. No spoilers. I need <laughs> to talk to Alana <laughs> and get this on the podcast.
1: For context, audience, last week, things had developed with this car story that I'm about to regale to all of you, including Francis. I asked Francis if he wanted to know the details at that moment in time of the plans that were going to come to fruition later that week, and he said no Please save it for the podcast because I want to record live my reaction to the journey." And I thought, that's incredible. And I love that you're thinking in terms of the content, first and foremost, because that's amazing (laughs) and obviously shows our commitment as co-hosts to this podcast.
0: To, To you, audience. Let's start from the very beginning so that we get some context here. Patrick was on the market for a new car. What was he driving before and why was he looking for a new car?
1: So Patrick was driving a 1997 Toyota Corolla Red, and he bought that car nine years ago. It was already a pretty old car nine years ago, but it was his dream car as a young child. It just recently started developing these problems that just would be more expensive than what the car would be worth.
2: It's getting old. It's 23 years old now. The mileage is still low, it's only 76,000. Mileage doesn't tell the whole story. Just the fact that things age, like the plastics that get worn out, things start rusting, stuff like that. That yeah. isn't the fact of my mile just pure aging. The thing is it's not very safe. <laughs> it has two airbags that I'm not sure if they work or not because it says after 10 years you have to repair it, you have to get them service every two years. I haven't done that ever.
1: And so he thought he would level up to his actual dream car. A
2: 2020 Toyota 86 GT
1: technically speaking, but us Americans call it the Toyota 86 because that makes more sense.
2: Well, it's a uh, two-door coupe, rear-wheel drive, uh, two-liter boxer engine. It makes about 200 horsepower, 151 pound-feet of torque. Nice. Automatic, don't flame me. All the manual <laughs> autos would kill me if I said I was getting an automatic, but yeah. they can go fuck themselves.
1: This car, specifically, he's been in love with for a very long time. I actually discovered on this journey that he first saw this car as a different rendition. It was a Toyota Scion, or Scion? I think it's Scion.
2: I first fell in love with the car at the DC Auto Show in 2012. Back then it was called a Scion FRS, if you're not sure what that is. Toyota used to have an off brand called Scion, which was their idea of trying to get younger buyers into their showroom floors. So
0: they made a brand that was supposed to be for like cool hip kit. What makes it his dream car?
1: Well, there's a couple of reasons. When I asked him, oh, like, what is it about this car specifically that you like?
2: If you have a Ferrari, right, with like 600 horsepower, 500 horsepower, whatever, and you're driving around the city, you're gonna be sitting there not bored out of your mind because you can't use any of it unless you wanna lose your license or kill yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Here, you only got 200. It's so underpowered that you could use all that horsepower and still have a lot of fun. I like the idea of driving a slow car fast than a fast car slow. Right. (laughs) Why did I spend 90 grand for a car I can't use versus I'm getting all my money's worth out of this.
1: It's a very reasonably priced sports car that doesn't have an engine that you can run at full capacity on a track. So for example, people that buy a Corvette it's a fast car. But if you live in the city, which is where we currently live, you can't fully enjoy a, an engine like that. You'd have to take it far out to a proper race car track. That's why he likes this car. You don't feel like you're not getting full use out of it, which is so funny and so very Patrick, if you know my brother.
0: That That's a very interesting aspect of the car that he's really honed in on because some people who are just like, okay, my dream car is... Uh, a Lamborghini. I'm not a car person. I'm just throwing it out there. A Lamborghini because mm. it's expensive and it's made by this car maker and it's got all of these different features and I don't fucking care if I live in the city. I'm just going to buy it because I can and it's my money. Your brother what? has taken a super practical approach to buying sports cars. He's like, you know, I love the sports car. I love the way it looks. I love the the red and I'm not wasting anything because this engine is perfect for the city. It's so practical. It's totally him.
1: Right. And then the other part of it is that it it does look very interesting. It's very sporty. It's definitely got a really great like Corvette feel to it. It's got a spoiler in the back. It's the right kind of red. It's his favorite kind of red. Patrick's always had an affinity for the color red. And
2: I'm amazed at how good it looks for how cheap it is. Like it's a $30,000 car and it looks like a supercar. It has the same, you know, shape as the Toyota 2000 GT, which was largely considered the first Japanese supercar. It was made in the 60s. and Actually, it was in a James Bond movie, but they had to make some modifications because Sean Connery couldn't fit in it because it's made for little Japanese people. Sean Connery's like
0: 6'6". Oh my God.
2: It's like one of the most beautiful cars ever made in Japan. And to buy one that's in good shape is like $1.5 million, I think. They didn't make a lot of Really? Them. Yeah. Wow. And so they actually l- took that car side by side when they were sculpting this to get inspiration.
1: And apparently it's part of a family brand of cars that are just very unique. It's a very niche car family that the Toyota 86 falls into. It's not your typical like car that you see on the street. And so that's another aspect that Patrick likes about it is that it's so unique.
0: You told me before that this car didn't sell very well in America. Right. right. It was not highly sought after. And and because of that, it's not available in a lot of places that are nearby.
2: They didn't make a ton of them because it's not really a high volume. It's only something that really car enthusiasts would want to buy. Because it's not, it's not a generic, like, a Acona box like a Corolla or a Camry. It's, a, it's just pure dedicated sports car.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, specifically, my brother's car and the Toyota 86s in general are made and manufactured in Japan. They don't even make them in the U.S. because they sell so few of them. <laughs> because it's just like... It's practical in the sense of like, when you see things through my brother's perspective, like I want a sporty car that's recently priced that I can feel like I'm going fast while I'm living in the city. And I don't feel like I'm not getting full use out of the car. It's not very efficient. There's seats in the back, but you really can't like sit there. And especially in my family where we're all like nearly six foot or above.
0: Yeah, I, I- I I do have to say that when I saw the pictures on Facebook, I did notice the very visible height difference between this sports car and your brothers who are like towering giants. It looks like a Hot Wheels car between the both of them.
1: Yes, it's very low to the ground. It's very small. You kind of feel like you're in a spaceship when you're in this car. It's like crazy.
0: Another aspect of this story that I want to get into is that your family was super excited for Patrick to buy this car because you were saying that nobody's really bought or owned a new car in a very long time.
1: So everyone in my family was super excited. My parents were so proud. (laughs) They were like, oh my God, our child is uh, achieving something we haven't achieved Because my parents lease their... No, my mom owns her car, but she leased it for a long time. I don't know.
2: Mom's car was new when she got it.
1: Okay, but for the sake of the story... None (laughs) of the
2: siblings have bought a new car.
1: No one's ever gone to a car dealership and just bought a car outright, is what I'm trying to say. That is not an experience. And so I guess my parents were just very proud and very excited that... Patrick was doing this and experiencing it and achieving the American dream as it were. It was a really big moment for me as a sister to just be adjacently involved and just to see how happy he was. Oh my gosh, it was really incredible and (laughs) heartwarming.
0: Yeah, this is a really big achievement. No doubt. It's super big. Okay, so bring me into Friday.
1: I think the last you heard about this car was that We found a dealership in Maryland, like kind of out there, Maryland, I forget how many miles or how many hours away. And the issue was that it was at dock, like it was on the boat coming to the U.S. Because as you know, they don't manufacture these in the U.S. (laughs) Because so few people want these cars that my brother is very passionate about. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, and your brother was anxiously waiting the dealership's word on when it would come in. And I don't think he had quite negotiated price or anything at that point, but he he was just waiting for them to get their first shipment. And I think it was only going to be like 60 miles out. It was going to be a drive for sure, but it wasn't going to be like across the country or anything.
1: Exactly, yeah. So this dealership, because the the car wasn't even in their showroom, wasn't at their dealership, they said, look, we can't reserve it for you. We can't take a deposit. There's just nothing we can do until it is off the ship. So fast forward to last Sunday, Patrick kind of gets frustrated with this dealership that now he's been talking to for about a month and a half now, and just not getting anywhere.
2: Now these people, it's not their fault that they don't have it, right? Because it's a supply chain issue. They can't control when the port is able to get people to to get a truck to put it on there and then deliver it to the dealership. That's not their fault. What is their fault is the fact they haven't been super responsive. I have to email them and they get back to me a couple of days saying, yep, there's no update. Sorry. We keep asking them to rush it as if that means anything. <laughs> yeah. And They wouldn't even let me put a deposit down. Which yeah. means theoretically, had I waited like another however long it takes. It could have been a month and a half. Some other dude could have just showed up there and bought it on the lot and yeah. I would still be out even though I was the one who caught it the more than you know 90 days earlier yeah. at that point.
1: It just seems like it's stuck in some process that is beyond our control. And so Patrick gets very frustrated because he, like me, is someone who, when he's very passionate and he set his mind to something, he kind of just wants to do it. He doesn't want to just wait for something to happen. And so he went on cars.com and looked up, okay, where can I buy this very specific car in this very specific color with this very specific build in the US? And it turns out only 16 were available on cars.com. Patrick, can you tell the audience where we are right now?
2: Dulles International Airport. And why
1: are we at Dulles International Airport?
2: We're going to fly to Pittsburgh.
1: Okay, I was looking for a little bit more background information, but I guess to give you the full scoop, we're taking a one-way flight to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to go to a car dealership, and Patrick is going to buy a car. Just for context, the next closest one would have been Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm very happy that Pittsburgh, (laughs) Pennsylvania was the one that was the next one that was available and also actually had it available. So my brother reached out to them.
2: I just called them up on on Monday because a sales rep emailed me. I'm like, you know what, fine, I'll give them a call because they're not responding to emails super yeah. quickly. So I just called him, and he's like, yeah, so uh, when do you want to come over? Like, <laughs> do you want to put a deposit? They're like, here, $500 deposit, we'll hold it.
1: And so they said, this is actually perfect timing because we have this on site. You can reserve it, put a deposit down, and you should be out here the soonest it's available, which is Friday. And you actually need to come very fast because we've gotten a lot of intrigue and a lot of inquiries about this car. What? I think they've just gotten the car. <laughs> and I remember feeling very nervous saying, well, Patrick, um... What if you don't like the car? Are there any questions that you have in your mind that you're not sure about? I feel like you've done your due diligence.
2: I've walked around them in person because I know two people that own it in my neighborhood, but I've never actually sat in one before, so that's the only wild card. But I know that six foot six people have like driven this thing, so I'm not super worried that I can't fit in it, especially given that I drive a tiny little subcompact 97 Corolla. So if I can fit in that, I'm pretty sure I can fit in just about anything. That's really the only thing that I don't know for sure, but I don't think that's very likely, though.
1: Okay, yeah, because I think that would be my biggest question mark, because we did, we bought one-way tickets. We're expecting to be going with the car. Yeah, but, you know,
2: (laughs) even if it doesn't, I'll just buy another set of tickets and fly back. It's $300, no skin off my nose.
0: Yeah, I thought you drove there. I didn't realize you guys actually flew there. Okay, I was sort of picturing a long road trip both ways, I guess.
1: No. We flew there one way out of Dulles, the only airport that had one way flights from where I live to Pennsylvania, and we flew out of there Friday morning. Can you talk about the ticket prices? It was 150
2: than- for each of us. Had I done it in advance, I could have done it for 75 a piece, so I could have wow. done it for a day half as much.
1: Yeah. Because you bought these tickets <clears six throat> on Tuesday, like three days ago. Yeah. I yeah. bought them three
2: days ago. But wow. if, if I got them like later in March, it's like 75 bucks
1: to Patrick's point, he said, well, it's COVID and and tickets are really cheap. If we don't like it, then we can just go and book a one-way ticket back and it it won't be too expensive. We flew there early, not super early, like the only one-way flight was like 10, 30 in the morning. But he felt like, oh, well, we should get there early because I (laughs) watch all these YouTube videos about buying a car and apparently there's a lot of waiting and sitting around that's involved. And I said, okay, well, that'll be great for the radio show, so perfect. (laughs) I asked Patrick because this is a very special episode and I want to deliver the content our followers are really looking for. Is it okay if I ask our our car sales rep to be interviewed for the radio
0: show? Oh my God. Girl, I am loving your moxie right now.
1: (laughs) You know, I lack all the chill, especially when it comes to the radio show. And I said, is it cool if I ask him? I don't want to interrupt the process, of course. This is Patrick buying his very first car, and he said, oh no, From my YouTube videos, I see that these things take a very long time, and as long as I don't have to ask the sales rep to be interviewed like as long as you handle all that stuff I don't mind cuz you know it would be weird for him to ask and I said absolutely yeah I'll go and interview him I'll ask the questions so we fly to Pennsylvania it's a very short flight and the sales rep because his dealership is so close to the airport he actually picks us up from the airport wow I know what a guy right what a way to get a sale um he did so <laughs> We get into the car and we're driving and it it was advertised to us that he was very close and he was, he was only about a 10 minute drive from the airport. And so on our way over... I ask him and I say, hey, I do a podcast with my best friend and no one listens to it except ourselves and like one other person. But would you be interested in being interviewed for our podcast? Because I'm kind of recording this journey. It's very big for my brother and I. No one in our family's ever done this before. I suppose I was showing lack of chill on my end. And he goes, oh, I would love to do that. You know, I actually used to do a radio show on... Katie O.K. with XYZ, co-host. And we used to do sports reporting together in the
3: 90s. So back in 19, uh, excuse me, actually 2003, I did a little show called The Bullpen with Katie Ka. They started the whole radio thing worldwide, Katie Ka, here in Pittsburgh. And uh, it's a little roundtable discussion on the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball program. And we filled some airtime and whatnot. Right before I started here, somebody approached me about podcasting for um maybe football basketball and baseball for a catholic school it's called the olsh sports network and i do a lot of sports broadcasting on that podcast
1: he's like oh yeah so yes i would love to be interviewed i'm like oh Uh my god
0: (laughs) oh my god are we (laughs) are we starting like a podcast network or something dude listen i said oh
1: yeah obviously we'll promo your um dealership and you and um everything but i'm just forewarning you, we don't have an audience he's like oh no that's fine and i think he thought i was being like humble but (laughs) because he seemed very enthusiastic (laughs) and so (laughs) we get into um i know it was incredible francis
0: sorry i'm I, I'm just laughing at the prospect of, let's just advertising to Catherine. Like, our, our,
1: <laughs> literally just Catherine.
0: Catherine, if you want a Toyota 86, go to this dealership in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
1: So he asked me, hey, do you want to hear my podcast? And I said, sure, absolutely. And so he plays it for me. They have a YouTube channel. They have Facebook. Like they have so many things we don't. I'm, I guess we have a YouTube channel. But he he's talking about how they live stream and in addition to recording and um, publishing like the audio versions. They're just way more professional than us. Obviously, this guy's been doing radio for like years.
0: Do they have an audience?
1: Yeah, he said, Oh, yeah, there was one time where I was reporting on a game that there was over 700 people that were tuned in. And my jaw just drops. I'm like, Yeah, we've never had those numbers. (laughs) Not even on a single episode. And he goes, oh, so how long have you been doing? I'm like, oh, you no. know, three and a half years. <laughs> I
0: would have been like yesterday. I started last month.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I, I thought about lying, but I just thought, oh, I just really want to curb his expectations because he's almost like my hype man. He's hyping it up so much, which granted, he's a sales rep, right? So everything that I say is obviously the best thing in the world. And he wants to go and hype me up and hype my brother up. But it's just like... Very embarrassing from the perspective of, I know how very few people listen to our podcast, So he's all for it, which I love, but now I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even write questions for this. So now I'm having to go and write questions. As my brother is test driving the car, I do a little bit of recording. You'll hear that. It was very exciting.
0: Did Patrick like the car? Did it live up to his expectations?
1: Update everyone. We are in the Toyota 86. Patrick, how does it feel?
2: Uh, I'm getting used to it.
1: We're currently taking it for a test drive, but as of right now, within the first five minutes that we've been in the car, it's looking pretty good. Any other thoughts it's, here? It's
2: you know definitely a lot smaller than it looks in the pictures, but mm-hmm. when you consider the fact that this car is actually three inches shorter than my car and four inches wider, that kind of makes sense. Right. Yeah. Also, I'm impressed with how much headroom I have. I was kind of afraid that my head was going to be rubbing up against it. But like I said, six foot six people drive this thing no problem. So
1: um, it is a. Well, it's a four seater, but it's a two door. The sales rep said, you know, it would be a little crowded if I came in. Why don't you two go and take it out for a little drive? Ooh, oh my God. Now we're going really fast. Ah!
2: Oh my God, this thing is so much faster than my car. Oh, yeah. I'm (laughs) like, this car is slow. It doesn't even have horsepower. like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? For now, yeah, we're just taking
1: it for a little cruise. See how we feel. This is... Uh, Patrick's first time in the car, my first time in a car like this. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been in a car like this. This feels very sporty. It was incredibly, incredibly low. That was one of the first things I realized. (laughs) It is so fast. Oh my God. I'm like barely tapping
2: the gas, too. (sighs) Wow. Yeah. I got it. You love it? I love it. I'm so wrecked right now.
1: (laughs) Patrick! (laughs) Oh, red light.
2: Ooh. Ooh. I love that red matching.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. So, Patrick, are we getting this car? We're buying this car? (laughs) You heard it here, folks. (laughs) He loved it. Oh, my God. He was so, so happy. It was everything he had imagined and had seen on YouTube, and it was just... Like, living it, actually, in real life. From the moment he got behind the wheel and heard the engine, he, he was just like, yep, this is it. This is my dream car. Like, I can't believe I'm buying my dream car. He was so happy, which was really uh-huh. heartwarming and sweet. Like, so cute to be around and witness. And uh, then we come back and we go, okay, great. Like, let's go and do the, the paperwork. Now, Patrick, he has done his due diligence. He's done so much research. So he actually had all the paperwork in line. He had never held insurance in his own name before. He was just an additional driver under my father's insurance. So that was, I think, the part that took the most time. It wasn't that my brother didn't have his stuff together. Like he had all the paperwork. He had already filed all the various things. And he'd already gotten a quote with a rep with um, an insurance company. It was just a matter of like, all of these different parties sending the various PDFs and things that were going on. So I go, oh, would this be a great time to interview you? Marty, would you be down? And he goes, oh, absolutely. All right, guys, here I am with an exclusive interview coming to you live on a recorded line. So could you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do here?
3: Yeah, basically I do sales here and I've been here for about five years. And Patrick and I met online, you know, as far as uh, sales goes.
1: Fantastic. And do you have a lot of people that come from out of state to specifically your dealership?
3: 100%, yes, because uh, we're number one in Pittsburgh right now, and we have a lot of volume. So with that said, a lot of people do come here out of state. And basically, we're the hub, if you will, of a lot of cars that people can't find. For instance, I had a guy come in from Florida about two or three weeks ago. He drove up here from uh, Jacksonville, Florida. They get a Tacoma, a lot of Tacomas, it's hard to find right now. Really? Uh, Yeah, they're having a chip shortage right now, Patrick. So what's going on? There's a chip shortage. So Toyota's fortunate enough to have some hoarded, if you will, if I want to use that term.
1: Would you say that Patrick was the fastest customer you've uh, worked with that upon walking in and doing a quick five-minute test drive, I fell in love with the car, or does that happen a lot here at Brewer Airport Toyota? I'll be
3: honest with you. He's one of many. Honestly, we're kind of transparent here. We can talk over the phone. Your wants, your needs, your price, it's all straightforward before you walk in a dealership. What you're getting APR-wise, once you get here, as you see, it's pretty straightforward, and uh, that's what we plan on doing That's why we're number one in Pittsburgh, I think.
1: So have you been getting a lot of of out-of-state inquiries from people specifically for this car? I think you even said that someone from Michigan was interested in this car.
3: Yes, actually, 100% right. The way it works is, again, we kind of stockpile the 86. But as you heard Patrick speak, he's very in tune what's going on with his vehicle he did his research yeah uh, that's what i like about a customer you, you, you actually you know want to know what you want and hey who has the best price and the, the color i'm looking for and, and the gt is very hard to get as well um, so with that said yes 100 percent, patrick Spot on. I'd uh, love to have you here in the future, <laughs> you know, if you're looking for a job because you know your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, more you know, than me, no. I'll be honest with you. Honestly, I started <laughs> here five years ago, and I always love because customers know a little bit more than me sometimes when they do their research, you know. Right. But, yeah, I try to do my homework, too, as well. But I, I basically t- let people know that I'm straightforward. I'm not that fake person, and we go from there.
1: I asked him about his role at the dealership. I asked him about his experience and what is interesting about Toyota 86s and whatever. I can't really remember. It's all a blur and a blur because I didn't prepare properly for this interview that he's like, oh my God, this is going to be live like on the air.
0: And you were probably super excited.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, 100%. So excited. Well, we have this really great back and forth. And so when I close it, he goes, oh, man, you know who would really like to be interviewed on this podcast would be uh, the owner of the dealership, Mr. Brewer. And what? I said, Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's at lunch right now. But let me go and ask him when he comes back. Like, I bet we can get him on your very popular podcast. I don't know if he said very popular. But like the way he was talking about my podcast, I was like, oh, this feels so very unnecessary and like so very unwarranted. At one point, he goes, Oh, man, can you tell me your podcast name? I want to write it down and look it up later. And so I tell him because, you know, Francis, I cannot tell a lie. I'm very bad at lying. So I tell him, oh, it's HQAF radio. And he writes it down on the business card. And at one point he goes to like get paperwork, talk to finance or go to the bathroom. I don't know. And left it on the desk. And I'm like, I should take this because if he (laughs) tunes into our radio show and listens to my Sonic fan fiction, he's going to (laughs) realize this is not what he thinks it is. I'm like not
0: prepared. Hold on. At the beginning of the show, you were like, I'm okay with my ex-co-workers from six months ago listening to Sonic fanfiction, but you're not okay with some random dude you're never going to see again at this car dealership listening to your Sonic fanfiction.
1: Absolutely not. Also, we might see him again because my mom said she might go up there and get a new girl. Car, so girl, I know the, the story never ends. It's incredible. Oh my god, the storyline continues with Brewer Airport Toyota.
0: <laughs> now I can see why if your mom is buying another Toyota 86, you, you have to do another podcast,
1: obviously. And it may just be my brain is sort of silly sometimes where I get embarrassed about silly things or not regular things. Because I I think at that point in time, after the experience that my mom was like, oh my God, that sounds like such a positive experience. I should go and get a new car from these guys. But in that moment, I just wasn't prepared for all the hype. And it could have just been all good showmanship, right? Like, he's trying to sell us a car and get us to sign paperwork and sell us on these warranties. And so he'll say whatever it is. But it's just his enthusiasm was a lot. And that combined with the fact that eventually Mr. Brewer, the owner of Brewer Airport Toyota, comes back from lunch. And Marty goes out of his way to find him and bring him to us and oh say, gosh. hey, guys, this is Mr. Brewer who owns a dealership. Let's talk to him. And so Patrick talks about, oh, I bought this car. And I just say, yeah, I'm the sister who's along for the ride. And we've never done this in our family. I'm just so, you know, happy to be here. And we're just saying our pleasantries because this man is very busy running his uh, own show. And as the conversation goes, I'm like, okay, cool. We're the end of our pleasantries. Marty says, oh, and Alana, tell him about your podcast. And I say, oh, um, yeah, I have a podcast and he's like yeah didn't you want to interview him and I'm like yeah Mr. Brewer you want to be interviewing for my podcast? He goes oh sure I mean whatever like he's just like being a nice guy he got a lot of money from my brother and my brother just wrote a really big check for them so he's like oh yeah I'll do your podcast and I'm like oh my god so we all sit down and we all record a little interview with the owner of the dealership Hello everyone, I'm back here with another special guest, Mr. Scott Brewer here at Brewer Airport Toyota. Mr. Brewer, if you could introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself.
4: Thank you guys. I'm a Pittsburgh guy originally. I grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, a Mr. Rogers neighborhood, and moved to Virginia actually in 1994. And I was in the car business down there for 25 years. And the opportunity came up to come home in 2019 to purchase a Toyota dealership in the Pittsburgh market, which I did. And I've been back here now for two years, ecstatic to be back and absolutely appreciate the Northern Virginia visit. Man, I was a Northern Virginia guy for a long time and happy to have a Northern Virginia presence and uh, do whatever I can to expand our reach and help people out down there.
1: And um, honestly, the interview was great. Even though it was short, it was a very short interview, like maybe two to three minutes. He talks about his background and how long he's owned the dealership. And I think I asked him, oh, which car um, of the Toyota sells the most? Or what is it about Toyota that makes it special or something? Like, I think I talked at that high level. What would you say is your favorite model of Toyota? do you have a favorite or do you love them all or um slash also what do you drive
4: well here's what i'll tell you i love whatever sells number one is <laughs> the dealer i i like what people like um but um as far as what we make the the product quality is unbelievable in everything i'm driving a highlander right now okay. and absolutely love it new body style terrific vehicle but um, as they sell my demos, I move on to the next one, and I'm glad a customer got them, and I just love the Toyota line and the Toyota product.
1: And I said, Oh, so which car do you drive? And I think it wasn't even a Toyota, which was really funny. But or <laughs> maybe it was, I can't remember. Because I'm just like I'm blacked out, honestly. I'm just so <laughs> no. embarrassed that I'm like completely blacked out because I'm in this situation where now like I'm sitting down with the owner of the dealership because car sales are up. Like I was asking these questions, you know, this audience, I do not prepare very well for these things. I did not prepare questions and I certainly was not prepared to interview the owner of the dealership.
0: I, oh my God. <laughs>
1: oh my God. What would have been going through your mind, Francis?
0: First off, I would have been embarrassed a little, like Marty sounds like, like a really uh, nice guy. I think he was just trying to do you a solid. So he sounds great. I love the hype. I love the enthusiasm he's giving our podcast. Even it's a little embarrassing to be talking about a podcast, our podcast, to professional podcasters. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) very much so. Can confirm. Embarrassing.
0: Second, talking to Mr. Brewer, I would have been fucking terrified, like shitting my pants. Like I wouldn't want to bring other people into the podcast. You know, it's one thing if I bring somebody else into the podcast and I'm comfortable with them. It's completely a whole other thing when you bring in the owner of the business and also a random stranger and <laughs> you have no idea who they are, what the fuck their life has been about. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have been in the mind to know what to ask this dude. As- aside from like, oh, how did you get into the car business?
1: Can confirm. That is a, a lot of the experience I experienced. <laughs> I had emotionally and mentally prepared because I thought to myself, oh man, how incredible would it be to interview the car sales rep. If he's down, how incredible would that be? And so I had prepared myself to go and ask. And even though I didn't prepare questions necessarily, I had emotionally prepared myself. Oh, let me go and ask this guy. And depending on his reaction, I had prepared myself for either way. I had not prepared myself for asking the owner to sit down and talk to me on the air for our podcast that exactly three people listen to about (laughs) being a car dealership owner, person who also like his time is very limited you can just tell the moment he walks in he's very much like I'm a busy guy I run this place and so yeah I just was not prepared and I was hoping that Marty would have forgotten about mentioning that but he I guess because of his podcasting and radio show background he was like oh yeah this is so cool like let me go and you should ask him but I was not prepared
0: well, it sounds like a, <laughs> you had a very interesting journey at the dealership overall. Back in the episode where we discussed haggling strategies, we did talk about how you should never really show your interest. You should never just be like, okay, I'm ready. Give me the fucking car because that just shows your hand way too much to the dealer and they could be like, well, we've got five other people down the block come now and pay in full and then some.
1: As Patrick told me during our adventure, he felt like I'm not in a place to go and haggle because this is such a niche, specialized car that they don't make a lot of. Now this dealership gave my brother a great deal on financing and dock fees, which is uh, apparently just the fee that you pay for documentation of purchasing a new car. So he got a really great rate on the outside factors, not necessarily the car itself.
2: I a $91 document fee, but I had a $418 discount for whatever reason on top of the $2,000 rebate from Toyota. So basically the doc fee was wiped out anyway.
1: They just gave him these incredible discounts because I think they saw he's a rather young kid buying his dream car and they just were like, oh, he's sweet. Let's give him a great discount. How did you get a rebate?
2: Toyota has a deal going on where for the month of March, if you buy an 86 new, you get $2,000 off.
1: In March or any month?
2: Every month they do it, but they say it is going to expire at the end of the month they want to pressure you. Oh yeah. So like literally when I talked to them, it was the end of February. I was like, oh, if you lock in now, we can guarantee you that, I'm like, no, I can't commit to that. I'm not going to commit to buying a $30,000 thing without seeing it.
1: Even the additional services and warranties that you'll experience at any dealership, they didn't push too hard for that
2: dealership that doesn't do city practices of adding a bunch of crap that you don't need and then charging you a huge upcharge to make as much profit as possible.
0: It is harder with new cars in general to haggle but as you can see there are a lot of other things that go into buying a car that you can talk down. So you guys are just waiting on the paperwork for the insurance. What happens after that?
1: So we were waiting for the most part for, yeah, the paperwork, for the insurance and for finance. And so finally we get called into finance. That was actually when I was texting the most, I probably should have been paying attention because eventually, or very soon because my car sucks, we will be buying a new car.
0: Was Patrick using the the financing that the car dealership was offering or did he already have his own loan that he was going to use?
1: I think he already had his own loan.
2: I did all the financing, like, ahead of time. I gave them the application, the info, yeah. and they were able to run my credit. I have seven ninety seven, and they're like, sweet, here's 2.59% APR, eight yeah. months. Right. The finance charge, which is the total amount of interest paid, is only $890. Oh, so wow. So I'm only paying $890 in interest over four years. That's it. Yeah. So I could have bought this in cash, but I don't want to have $30,000 tied up in a car. Like, I want to be able to keep the cash, you know, flexibility in case I need to go and furnish a whole apartment when I move out
1: but it was just like going through the paperwork that's when the dealership was trying to sell my brother on this warranty that was specific to the dealership of like oh we'll give you services For seven years, and that covers X, Y, Z, which is somehow different from the Toyota Care program that my brother was already going to be in with. That was for two years, and blah blah blah.
2: You know, I just said no. They didn't pressure me too hard. Um, They kept offering bigger and bigger discounts, but the fact that they kept offering me bigger and bigger discounts told me how worthless it was. (laughs) um, Yeah, but you know. I didn't feel pressured at all.
1: He asked some questions, but I knew he would not sign up for this thing. It came up like two or three times. He said, look, we just have to do this because on the record, we have to go and advertise, but totally understand you don't have to do it.
0: And they knew it probably doesn't make sense for Patrick because you guys don't live in Pittsburgh. Offering that sort of package to somebody out of state, you know, like they probably understand that it's going to be a very, very low um, acceptance rate for Yeah, it.
1: exactly. But yeah. And I just had no idea or anything. Patrick really did his due diligence. He really did his research. So I didn't feel like I needed to be super involved. So therefore I took the opportunity to send people pictures and text Francis <laughs> saying, you're going to love this episode. Oh my God. It's like, you got so many twists and turns. You don't even know. <laughs> Cause that was after all the interviews. It was crazy. Yeah.
0: What happens during the drive home? I'm assuming at this point, after all the paperwork is said and done, they give you the keys. Did his impression of the car change? during that drive that you guys took from Pittsburgh to back home?
1: We're here. We made it. And it's a very exciting feeling. And actually, that leads into my first question. Patrick, how do you feel?
2: Uh, I, I just... It's its just it's so different from anything I've ever felt before. It still hasn't quite sunk in that it's my car now.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely feel that, too, especially since in our family we don't buy... Uh, new cars. Patrick had said earlier, this kind of feels like I'm driving a rental car. As a passenger, just my little mini review. It's very delightful to ride. It has such a fun little kick to it. And it's just such a powerful guy. And something that I appreciate and that I know Patrick will appreciate too is that it's just so different. It's got such a personality. I mean, Patrick, can you speak to how just, like, fun it is and kind of the soul of the car?
2: I mean, unfortunately, since this is new, I have to break it in correctly, which means I have to keep the RPM below 4,000 and I have to vary the throttle. So, like, we're driving back now, but we're avoiding freeways because I can't just park in a cruise control because the piston rings are not going to set in correctly, and then long-term-wise, it'll start burning oil. So, I have to, you know, just baby it and vary the, the throttle, but I just tap my toe down and this thing and just starts pulling. It's so different from my car.
1: Oh, that was something that I wanted to mention was that we're taking back roads. We're not taking the freeway. So we are settling in for about a six hour drive back. And so one thing that I didn't realize is that a brand new car during the first thousand miles, you can't exceed a certain number of RPMs. Because you have to break the engine in when it's a brand new engine. And and the reason for that is that you can damage the engine. Because
2: basically you have a bunch of new metal pieces that uh, haven't quite fit together right yet. So you have to wear them down correctly so that they fit perfectly. Gotcha. So like the piston ring is basically a metal gasket that seals the cylinder where the the piston head is. That way the the hot gases don't escape through it. And you have full compression. You don't lose power.
1: And so I guess because... In our family, we've only ever owned used cars. That has never been a factor. Uh, I guess, quick question, did you know about this?
0: No, I actually have never owned a new car. So that's interesting. (laughs) That's why I love haggling because you can do so much at a used car dealership. (laughs) I imagine typically though, you wouldn't have had to deal with that RPM issue if you were closer to home, right? It's it's just easier to deal with if you bought the car here.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And um I definitely thought about that during our seven hour drive. So <laughs> we leave around three and we take all these back roads, which were gorgeous. I mean, there were some like incredible scenic photos and it was really nice. There was no rain, there was no snow, so that was wonderful. But because it was a new car, my brother didn't want to eat in the car. Now I understand that, <laughs> obviously. Respect that. It's a brand new car. I would not want to yeah. eat in his car. But it's COVID and we're in like weird parts of Pennsylvania, Maryland, West Virginia at one point before Virginia. And so a lot of these places did not allow dining in. They just had either takeout or delivery available or like drive through, whatever. But it was very cold where we were. So like going and ordering food and then eating outside the car was not an option And the last time we had eaten was 9 a.m. at the airport before our flight. Like, we (gasps) had tried stopping at places that do allow dining in in COVID. They just have social distancing. They have you wear a mask in between, whatever. Um, It's not crazy, but all these places, which is great. We love COVID safety. I'm not uh, knocking that they yeah. all just did not allow like even on google they'd say oh yeah they do allow dining in but then we'd get there and they said no we don't allow dining in like you can do drive-through or take out and that's it and so i didn't end up eating until 10 p.m
0: I'm, I'm actually a little surprised just given the location of where you guys were driving through like backwater pennsylvania it must be a pennsylvania thing though i guess
1: I get it. We're in a global pandemic right now. And I take that very seriously. You know that I know that but it was just difficult because I was very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And Patrick, he wasn't as hungry.
0: You guys couldn't do like McDonald's and just eat outside just very quickly like a, a hamburger or something a hamburger or two.
1: Patrick just felt like, Oh, well, why don't we just instead of going and taking the time to go and like order food and then get it and then eat it cold outside our car and being miserable, why don't we just gun it to go home? And yeah. so I thought, yeah, I guess you're right, like let's just go home because I knew there are places in Northern Virginia that allow dining in, and so I was like, okay, yeah, it was just very, very trying just because at we so we ended up eating at 10 pm at Silver Diner in Tyson's Corner because Virginia apparently was the only um, state that was allowing dining in at any places.
0: That's surprising to me. I had no idea that other states were taking it so seriously. Yeah, seriously, me neither. I have to applaud you though, because I would have been so hungry and so mad at Patrick. I would have been like, dude, I need to fucking eat. I either eat in the fucking cold or I eat in your car.
1: I was impressed with myself. (laughs) Very impressed because I was dying. And I am very vocal when I'm hangry, especially when I'm hangry. And I did not uh, misbehave is the word that comes to mind. I did not misbehave as badly as I might have otherwise. Like if I were with Harley during this, I would have been constantly complaining. But with Patrick, because I knew he just wanted to get home and I didn't want to make it miserable for him and myself to just like, be complaining or be mad at him. So I just sat there at one point. <laughs> it was funny because at one point I'm sitting there and I just start going, mm. <laughs> i'm just like whining and he said what's that noise is that you i'm like oh sorry i just do that sometimes when i'm upset and he's like oh i would like allow myself to complain for i think three minutes and then i was like all right i just gotta stop because i knew patrick was on a mission and i was just along for the journey and whatnot uh yeah it was Uh a lot
0: (laughs) The aspect that got me super into this was that Patrick wanted to record an episode for the podcast, like he was totally on board for you recording. Is there anything that you can tell me about his reaction?
1: For the record, he without prompt texted me saying we should record a podcast episode for this. And I nearly forgot, I only remembered to ask him that on the drive home. Oh, I remembered one last question before we sign off on this very exciting and thrilling episode of HQAF Radio. Patrick, uh, you had texted me unprompted saying, we should record a podcast episode about this. And I was just curious, what inspired you to want to record a podcast about this? Uh, I was thrilled when I got that text, but yeah, just uh, so our audience is aware. Does this mean you're secretly a stan of our show?
2: Yeah, I don't think I was secretly a stan.
1: Oh, are you a stan? Are you a fan of our show? Do you love us? At least when I'm on it. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Wait, does that mean you listen to our episodes? No. Oh, okay. I mean, I remember recording them. So you're a fan of our show, so was it just that, like being a fan, or just... Well,
2: I mean, it's a six-hour drive. Here's an activity we can do at the
0: a concert. That's so sweet. That is super sweet.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was very nice showing that he cared and was interested in my interest. So we do appreciate that. We do love that for Patrick and for our relationship.
0: So to wrap things up, do you have a little message that you'd like to share about
1: I would say that buying a new car takes a long time. I did not know that. So watch out. I guess I could have done like the minimal amount of research and I would have found that out. <laughs> but that was the one thing I just was very surprised by. and didn't realize. Also the RPM thing. So I guess if you fly, literally fly to buy a new car, just like maybe know that ahead of time. <laughs> it just might be a long drive back. My last question to you before we sign off is, Did I hype this story up enough? Was it at peak hypeness or did I overhype it? Was it actually slightly underhyped or was it the appropriate amount of hype? Oh,
0: totally worth the hype. I, I love it. I love it and I love this episode and I love the moxie that you have shown. It met my expectations and then some because I had no idea that interview subplot. Oh my God, girl. What? I'm, I'm just like so surprised. I'm a mixture of like proud and embarrassed. Proud that you went and you interviewed random people for the podcast. That's so fucking cool. But then also a little embarrassed that one of them was a podcast professional and probably might tune in in a bit. And When is our last episode right now? At the time of this recording, it is the Sonic fanfic.
1: Yeah, if you look up <laughs> HQF Radio, that is what has been advertised <laughs> on our social media. It's the most recent episode on uh, all of the mediums in which you can listen to podcasts. It's, uh, yeah, pretty embarrassing. Yeah,
0: yeah, but uh, honestly, overall, I love this story. So it's great.
1: Yay. Awesome. <laughs> That's the end of our show. I'm Alana.
0: And I'm Francis. Find us on Instagram at hqaf.productions. We post every other week.
1: And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: And until next time, the best ship to sail on is Friendship.